Mr. Downton. Yeah, um, Mr. Pete. Mr. Pete. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it, but it's Not in your vocab? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, also featured on Dash Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Vera. Michele, what's up? Everything good, Andrew. Uh, even after the interesting uh, to to like to cite someone that we are, that is very dear to us, uh, <laughs> a very interesting uh, week we had and still... Well, it's still playoff basketball, so it's sad not to see Oklahoma, but uh, it's still a good time of the year. Yeah, and you know, just kind of reflecting and listening to the exit interviews, you know, especially with Mello, it's not a huge surprise. It's it's less of a surprise that we had to that they had to like play him and that they ended up losing, and you know, like this. And Billy even said it. And I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, but he said he didn't subscribe to the idea that they were built for the playoffs, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Billy, uh, to me, the the two moments in the season where I knew, well, I, well, I was certain that Billy had some of a control of what wasn't working where the, both the uh, interviews after two big wins from OKC, one mm-hmm. against Golden State uh, back in November, November the 9th probably, or something like that, uh, the 6th probably. And then uh, after the, the game one against Utah, yeah, where Billy was extremely critical of what he saw on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if probably those were the two best wins uh, of OKC, among the two best wins that OKC had during the season. And so um, I think he knew all along that this team could be very, very good. Uh, but for this team be, to be that good, they needed to have hot shooting nights. Yeah, And that is not the way you sustain. You have playoff success, basically. Yeah, for sure. And you know, most of their season just came down to if they were going to have success it was when Andre went down you know the hope of having like an extended playoff run ended and you know we he he's a good player he's obviously one of the best five or even best three defenders in the NBA Um, but we also know his offensive limit limit we also know that he is limited offensively and He shouldn't have been that important to this team, but something that this team was missing was somebody to do all the little things and to to fill in the gaps. And really, like Paul George is a great defender, he really is, but he is his the best version of himself when he can just cause chaos. And you can have Dre filling in the gaps, guarding the best player, and you know he. One thing that Dre did that this team really struggled with 
is closing out. Uh, Dre yeah. co- constant would constantly close out on on players that he wasn't supposed to be defending, and mm-hmm. he would get there quickly. He's got long arms, and he would get there for a contest. And that's part of what made the defense just incredible is that they were able to gamble and you had Steven Adams down there anchoring everything and you had Dre out there contesting everything and guarding the best player. And then you had Havoc created by Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And like that's why that team caused so many turnovers. When you take that out, then like you like the identity is gone. Like that identity is gone. Like Corey Brewer, like he did the best he could. He did better than we thought he would, uh, but he can't. He can't do what Dre did. Um, so, and Dre said that he, his goal is to be back, you know, at the beginning of next season. And so, hopefully, mm-hmm. he will be, you know, close to what he was this year. I, I don't expect him to be like that uh, from the get go. Um, but just bringing back some of that stability will help the Thunder defense tremendously. Yeah, and also, I mean, I read many, many pieces, many, many articles where they were saying, well, with two spe- like two special defenders like Paul George and Steven Adams, okay, C should be better. Um, I agree that Adams is a special defender. But Adams is not a very, very good one-on-one defender when it comes to rim protection. Right. Uh, we saw it against Utah. Uh, and don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, Steven is a great defender in space. Like, he understands how to close out on a small guy. He understands where to defend on a pick and roll. He understands how to switch. He's just not a good rim, rim protector. And when you have three guys in uh, George, Robertson, and Steven uh, being perfectly sounded on defense, where Stevens bark at anyone, any of the two, and they respond by doing exactly what he sees. And that creates an incredible defense, even with Melo and Russ on the court. Mm-hmm. When you take out the main defender, the one that knows when to pass on uh, under the peak on over the, or over the peak, uh, the guy who knows how to push guys not in the, in the direction they want to go. Uh, when you take out the... It's like Steven is the mind and Dre is the arm, even if it's not that simple. But if you if you have just one of the two stuff, then the defense doesn't work. It doesn't work like it is supposed to. Um, and also, the, the thing that is most important, and it's often not discussed in terms of Dre's impact, is that um, in order to to have an efficient offense with Melo, uh, with Russ, and with Dre on the court. Billy and his staff decided to use Dre at his best. Like, it took 20 games. Mm-hmm. But after that, Dre was successfully in screens like hell. Mm-hmm. He was cutting. He was moving. He was the one who created uh, opportunities in the hawk set. Um, and many other stuff. I know that Dre is not a very good offensive player. I know that. But his impact on this specific offense was huge. Yeah. Because Melo found ways to involve him. And it was in that moment when Melo was looking to post up and pass to Dre, when Melo was looking to use Dre's screens, and Paul George was doing the same, that the offense actually clicked. Mm-hmm. And if you, to- if you take away that specific um, gel 
on offense and you took out and you take out the main responsible for OKC defense, how can you expect 50 games into the season or 40 games into the season, 45, that nothing happens, that you can rely on talent only? This team was built specifically with, a, with an extremely high ceiling with Ray. Mm-hmm. And the thing that they were doing were, were like should work just with Ray on the court. And so maybe it was short, short-sighted. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that sustainable, and it wasn't, as we saw. But it was the, 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 way, it, it, to get, like, the way that would have given OKC the best ceiling at all, uh, of all the, the possible um, like versions of, it, of this team. Mm-hmm. So I think, it, I think you can expect that. You, you, may, like, you may be pissed by, by the fact that all was like all relied on Ray too much, but that's, this is what it is. Yeah. And I want to make one more Dre point and then we're going to move on to really, we've buried the lead and I, I kind of have done it a little bit intentionally, but, uh, you know, Dre is not a bad offensive player. He's just a bad shooter. Yeah. Like he, he does the things on offense that a lot of people don't want to do. He's a he's a quote unquote guard. He's not really a guard. He's a forward, um, but he played the dunker spot. He set screens. He cut. He he became a good ball mover, which is something that he wasn't in years past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he just does all the little things that this team needs. And he's a good rebounder. He's a good rebounder yeah. as well on and, the offensive glass. Right and defensive glass, which is something exactly. that they struggled with against Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he. He, in particular, they missed him so much against Utah, one to guard Donovan Mitchell. And I asked him about, like, if he's looking forward to guarding Donovan Mitchell next season. You can kind of, you can see the fire in his eyes about it. <laughs> like, he, like, he really, that killed him to sit there on the bench and to see the guy that he would have been guarding just doing whatever he wanted. You know, that, I, I, I firmly believe the Thunder would have beat that Utah team if, Dre played just because Mitchell wouldn't have been able to do what he did. Um, but if they're able to keep Paul and we'll talk more about that later and somehow get rid of Carmelo and you just bring back the same team, even if they don't get like a big free agent or anything like this team will be a defensive monster. And yeah. then, then you have like another year of a under their belt who really came alive in the playoffs and became yeah. a guy that you can easily play as a rotation guy uh, on a night to night basis, which he wasn't this season. And you also have Terrence Ferguson who's coming back next year. And he talked about in his press conference that he wants to come back a different player mm-hmm. and he has the kind of talent to actually do that. You know, a lot of guys say stuff, you know, yeah. even yeah. Russell, even Russell, like I'm working on everything, you know, or, okay, Russell, great. Like you're, you're, you're awesome and you need to improve on some things, but like he's, he's talking. Terrence could come back and be a huge impact player on this team. And frankly, the Thunder need to get somebody like him on a, on a small deal, even a Brinus, he's on a smaller deal to come in and make a big impact. Because right now they have so many guys making so much money. And I think that it's likely, or maybe it's not likely, it's a possibility that they will be eating $28 million next year um, because of Carmelo Mm -hmm. and that they're going to need production out of everybody, basically. 
And so that, I think Ferguson is going to be a key to that. And I know that I've been down on Ferg all year, uh, but it was not because I didn't like his potential or I didn't like him as a player totally. I just didn't see the, I just didn't see the point in playing him in moments where he was actually hurting the team and keeping them from getting wins. Ultimately it didn't matter. Ultimately those developmental minutes were probably a good thing. Um, and maybe I was a little bit short sighted on that. Um, but Ferguson can be the key to this team improving and Mello being gone. I, I I don't know. This team can be very, very good if they can convince Paul to come back, convince Mello to take some kind of buyout, and you just keep this same team. Like This could be a really, really good team still. Yeah. And, like, I have mixed feelings about well let's let's first finish on Ferguson because yeah. uh, I think that we were both uh, very critical not of well a bit also on the pick um, but then we we disco- like we realized I was very uh, critical of the pick I'll, yeah yeah I'll we, own that we <laughs> very yeah, no we were we were and and to be honest I mean we we were suggesting to draft another player that actually is contributing in a play in a winning uh, playoff team. So it's it's not like we were like and and a guy that and a guy that I would still rather have. Yeah, that part that part I I agree now that you cannot be a hundred percent confident on that sentence. Sure. Whereas in and you couldn't be hundred um, percent. Uh, certain of that in July and or September and or October because Anunobi wasn't playing. We're talking, of course, OG Anunobi. Um, because he was coming back from a serious injury. And I had like a, very, like a long discussion with Fred uh, about this uh, on the phone like a couple of weeks ago, I would say. And and so, but, it's by, but I see now where Terence Ferguson can be uh, extremely important for OKC going forward mm-hmm. because Anunobi to me offensively has a certain feeling, uh, certain ceiling, which mm-hmm. is uh, a very good three and D player. I don't see him being way more than that. I don't see him being a very good uh, creator. Whereas Ferguson has a different talent. He's less aware uh, basketball wise about things that are going on. Uh, around him is less aware less impactful now but his talent can lead to better stuff so and okay see he's very good especially Donovan uh, Donovan stuff in developing players like if Ferguson takes the same steps that Grant did and that Adams did mm-hmm. uh, then we may very well see a player a very different player next season yeah yeah I, I- I think that's a sincere possibility. And we saw a different player toward the end of the season too, which I think is really encouraging. And he's a guy that is going to, I mean, he improved at a pretty rapid rate from where he was at the beginning of the season. He came, I mean, at the end of the season, he was shooting in the high, in the mid forties on three point shots. He's taking mostly corner threes. He did show the ability to put the ball on the floor a little bit. And then defensively, he wasn't a complete mess, which was yeah. positive. And I, on, I honestly think that if they played him against Utah, I don't think it would have been the worst thing. They did in one game, but I I, I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world had they played him. But with, with the yeah. way that Abrinas was playing and really the way that he was playing defense, it didn't make sense to play Terrence. 
Um, but yeah. if he, but if Abrinus would have struggled, I wouldn't have had any problem with them trying Terrence just because we had kind of seen some improvement from him. Uh, and, you know, in the summertime is where players can change their games and where they can improve. Let's, you know, Billy talked about how Steven Adams had an incredible summer last year. And that's kind of what led to, you know, his offensive improvement and his just overall improvement was, was the summertime. And, you know, I, I don't know how much time Terrence will spend with Russell, but players, players can. And a lot of people say like players get better when they leave Russell Westbrook. Players also get better because they've seen what Russell does and they see how disciplined he is and they see what he does on a day-to-day basis. That's how Oladipo got better. And Oladipo has said as much. Yeah. And so I think that Terrence could apply those kind of things to his game and he could, he could be a lot better when we get to October. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's a common knowledge uh, now, but if you think, if you, if you see like the difference between Oladipo last season in terms of just physical shape and commitment to that physical shape, Mm -hmm. because it's easy. Well, it's not easy, but it's common to get in very good shape in training camp. Mm-hmm. It's not that common to be in that specific shape in game seven of a playoff series. All the people was going like super fast at the end of game seven, which they lost just because they faced like the best player of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it takes commitment and Russ's commitment to like work and to be in the perf- in perfect shape is something that you can, uh, learn from even KD said so. Like I remember reading an article um, where KD was quoted uh, saying, "Like I thought I, I was working hard. Then I met Russell." So it's it's narrative that Russ destroys players. Uh, he may be difficult to play with, and we will probably I'll, I'll have some number uh, to comment on that specific sentence that Paul George said. Uh, but still. Uh, like to play and to learn from Russ is something very, very real. Yeah. And I hope that he can, that he'll take some from that. And he seems like a, the type of person that would. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he, if you're going to be excited, there's a lot to be nervous about going into the summer. Um, mm-hmm. But if there's anything to be very excited about, I think it's Terrence Ferguson coming, going forward because he could be a real big time rotation player for this team. Like that could be, that could be a thing. It could take another year. Um, but honestly, he's progressed at such a rapid rate. I would be a little bit surprised if it took that long for him. So, uh, let's talk about something good now. And that's Andy's frozen custard last night. Apparently Paul George went to Andy's frozen custard and I said, you know, he must be a big, uh, McKelly Barra fan because, uh, we, we talk about it on the show every Monday. Um, so you can go to Andy's frozen custard in Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, North Carolina, uh, Florida, Kansas, Colorado, Arizona. You know what? They don't have them in LA, Paul. They don't have them in Philadelphia, <laughs> Paul. You got it. <laughs> There's only a few places to get Andy's right now. Uh, and Oklahoma city is one of them. Go check out Andy's frozen custard. They have one uh, over there on Northwest expressway here locally. They have one out <clears throat> on 150th and Penn. Uh, but they've just got some delicious concretes. You can go right now. You can get a blueberry concrete for a limited time 
with their vanilla frozen custard. And it's just delicious. You can get their mint chip. It's a specialty concrete, uh, which is like a, uh, if you like thin mints, the, uh, uh, Girl Scout cookie, it's similar to that, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's just so, so good. They make their custard hour by hour, so it's fresh. You can watch it being made. Uh, in fact, like the entire place is just windows, and you can just watch people doing everything. So it's fantastic. It's fresh, it's delicious. So go check out Andy's Frozen Custard and support the people that support Down to Dunk. Uh, McKelly. We've we've buried the lead tremendously at this point, and it's Carmelo Anthony. And you know what? I'm done sacrificing this topic, McKelly. Yeah, me me as well. Like, do you want to play a game? I always want to play a game. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you will uh, probably answer correctly to all the five answers, all the five, all the five questions that I have here. And today our play, our stats game is called Fact Checker on Mellow Exit Interview. <laughs> and so I, I basically I'll take some quotes, from, uh, like sort of quotes uh, from Carmelo Anthony, and we will have a question or two attached. So the first uh, general thought that Melo expressed was, I can be effective in that role. Uh, and that role means like the spot up uh, shooter and blah, 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 that mm-hmm. OKC uh, designed for him. But is that so? Like, question one, how much did the overall effective field goal drop in the regular season compared to past seasons? Um, say the last two in New York. Huh. How far did it fall? Is, it, is that the question? Yes. Hmm. His effective field goal percentage. Maybe just a few points. I'm not sure. Uh, it's actually, it actually increased. Uh, oh. Slightly. Slightly. Okay. Uh, but it increased. So the past two seasons, he was uh, 50.2 effective field goal, which is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And 50.3. Uh, in 2015-2016 in New York, where he was, quote-unquote, not a spot-up guy, but uh, uh, the leader uh, offensively of that team. This season, being just a spot-up guy, he was 50.5. So just the same, like, and like two uh, cents of a point, um, two, like, uh, decim- uh, better mm-hmm. than, than two seasons ago. So that is actually false. He is just scoring at the same rate uh, uh shooting wise yeah um so that that the first part to me uh, was like not the, the, the i would say that this is uh, false so uh, and also what that says is that he's just not effective yeah yeah it wasn't effective back then uh the true shooting was a bit better because it was taking uh the ball more to the rim but guess what no one here uh, was happy with the jab, jab, step. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that Donovan wanted him to go deep in the paint and like go, uh, go to the basket, um, take the ball closer to the basket. And to be honest, uh, in drives and in uh, shots uh, near the rim, Carmelo was better this season than a few seasons ago. He, he was just not going there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not schematic. He could have done it. Mm-hmm. So, to me, uh, the fact is that he wanted to take those mid-rangers no matter what. And yeah. so it's not the role. 
it's about you interpret the role. Mm-hmm. So question, second, second part, I sacrifice it more than anyone. And the question is, who dropped the most shots on the team? Hmm. Is it Paul? From last season. No, it's actually Melon. Uh, okay. That part he got right. He is the one that sacrificed the most touches and the most shots yeah. uh, at almost uh, four shots less than last season. Uh, to be fair, like, like Paul is in line basically with his uh, season average, okay. which actually was uh, was weird to me. Uh, yeah. Because it seems that in Indiana he had a bigger role, but it's not like that. He was taking 18 shots, maybe a few, um, again, a few uh, free throw more generated, so one or two possessions more there. Yeah. But it's not like Paul is handling the ball less than he, than what it was in Indiana. So that was probably because he played a lot with the second unit, mm-hmm. uh, even if ineffective. But Melo sacrificed more than Russ, like Russ was uh, almost three shots per game less, uh, and Melo was minus 3.8. Yeah. Um, the last sentence I want to focus on was uh, is, I won't be sacrificing no bench role. <laughs> uh, and, my, and, my, and my counter question is, but should he? And so now you, ha- we, you have like basically uh, two questions on that. Um, is OKC net rating positive with Melo as solo bench scorer? Say it, say, say it again. Is uh, OKC net rating positive with Melo as solo bench scorer? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, like with Russ and PG off, and Melo on, OKC is scoring 104 points per possession and is allowing 95. So it's actually plus nine, allowing which is 95. Allowing 95 because the most used lineup has uh, Felton, um, Eustis Orobrinus, mm-hmm. then Grant and Patterson, mm-hmm. which is unsurprisingly an okay slash good defensive unit. Yeah. And with Melo as a, as a leader of your bench, you generate, you have a slow pace, 95, which is very slow. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you, you, you don't allow a lot of transition because you don't go to, to get any offensive rebounds because no one will, will care of those players to go and grab offensive rebounds. And so you have a very good transition defense. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this was one of the one one of the questions. This is one of the questions that I have on Donovan. So is was it a Donovan choice to stop playing Melo with the bench, on, or was he uh, not okay with playing bench minutes, basically? Yeah, that's a good and question. That, like after the interview, I don't know. Uh, at first, I was convinced that it was just Donovan, mm-hmm. uh, but now who knows? Um, last question. Um, is he uh, personally more efficient as a solo? Oh, without the other two? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I want to say yes. It is yes, and by a mile. Like, as a solo, his effective field goal raised from 48 to 55. <laughs> Is through shooting from 50 to 60. Oh my gosh. His usage goes from 20 to 42.2. Like when Melo is without any of Russ and, uh, and George, he's basically taking more possession than Russ last, last year. 
and he's effective on those. So this why this is why I kind of see what he's saying when he says I have more to bring to the court. But this may be true against benches, against bad benches, maybe not in playoffs. But he's in complete contrast with his willingness, uh, to, is, uh, like his unwillingness to yeah. go as a bench scorer. Mm-hmm. So I think Romelo has something right uh, on what he said in the exit interview, which mm-hmm. is when he, when you have a volume of shots, he can be efficient. Granted, these are just 380 minutes, something like that. So it's not a very big sample size. Uh, and it was at the beginning of the season, basically the first 10, 15 games. Um, but he, he had something. I remember us talking about Melo after 10 games, had the, be- the the most efficient season ever. And then Billy basically stopped playing him with the bench and everything dropped. So maybe it's right. Melo needs possession after possessions. And you can see those minutes, like when he when he had it against Golden State, basically was getting all the possessions on offense. When he's had when he's had it uh, against Houston, um, like the last uh, basically last week of the season, he got it going in the first, and he handled like ten possessions in a row, seven possessions in a row. This is how Melo operates. So, if he really wants to be an effective player going forward, and he wants not to change his style then he has to be a bench scorer. Yeah, he can be a six man. Uh, He's obviously not going to. And that's, I mean, this is where like the Iverson comparisons come in. Because Iverson at the end of his career would have been an incredible six man off somebody's bench. Just come in, change of pace kind of guy, come in and score. Like if he's like Jamal Crawford, like he would have been incredible. He wasn't willing to do it. He he thought he was a he was a starter, and that was it. And he became a player that you just couldn't have on your team because of that. And you're right. I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. Every single bench lineup, every single lineup that did not include Russ and Paul and had Mello were all positive. Heck, even a lineup that included Terrence Ferguson and Kyle Singler was a plus five point eight, <laughs> which seems yeah. improbable. Um, yeah. He's, but if he's not willing to accept it, he's done. Like who? Like I just don't. I mean, like Vince Carter. Vince Carter is like <clears throat> a great example of the other way this could go. Like Vince can't be a focal point at all mm-hmm. anymore. But like he could play. Like he could play for almost any playoff team. Like Cleveland would probably love to have him on their team right now. Because like mm-hmm. he can play a role and he can play uh, effective enough defense and he can shoot it still. Like he's been great in the last part of his career, but it's because he decided that like I don't have my I don't need to have a usage rate of anything. You know, I can come in and I can shoot it and play defense and like that I'm going to fall into a role. And Mello said basically, I want my old role back. I mm-hmm. want to be the guy I was in New York. And that's how I want to be going forward. You know, he's not going to, I mean, he was, he was very adamant about that. Um, he said, I became what I am by playing the way I play and establishing a style of play throughout my career. <clears throat> now it's about figuring out what is the best way to implement that game into what we're trying to create. And it's like, man, is this, could this dude not be any more tone deaf and like have less self-awareness that you can't 
do that with this team unless you're willing to unless. come off unless you're willing to come off the bench. And then Eric yeah. Horn uh, did a great job of you know bookending this season with one. You're willing to come off the bench? Who me? Uh, are you willing to come off the bench next year? Eric Horn uh, saying that to Mello. I'm not sacrificing no bench role. That's out the question. And that was, I mean, he asked him several different questions within that last one because um, the PR people said that this is the last question. And so he tried to fit in basically as much as he could. And, like, that's the first thing was out there. Like, anybody's going to ask me about the bench, there's no way that I'm doing that. Yeah. And that, to me, even even if he was just willing to do it, the Thunder probably would still start him. Um, but even if he was just had, like, the the awareness and the willingness that, yeah, you know what, like that's probably where my career is heading and that's okay. Um, if he just had that, then I would say, you know what, you gotta, you gotta keep him and he's going to come back and we're going to try to, he's going to try to adapt some more because he Mm -hmm. does, he needs to adapt some more. Um, and he needs, and he needs to, even though he thinks that he's sacrificed everything like to become the player that the thunder need or that really any winning team needs, like Melo, you got to sacrifice more, man. Like you don't yeah. like you can't. The Thunder lost Game Six, in my opinion, mostly because he played. Because in the minutes that he played, they were able to target him, and they were yeah. able. To, they just ate him up. And you can't, you can't be a starter and be that guy. You can't be a starting four in this league. And you know what? One thing about Melo, I don't think he's in great shape. I don't think he's in good physical shape. Like just mm-hmm. just looking at him in the locker room after a game, it's like, yeah, that, like he's a massive dude. He's incredibly strong. He's obviously a very gifted scorer, but as far as like being in great physical shape, he's not that, and it, it shows on the court the way that he plays. So, um, you just he, he can't be a starter. He can't be a thirty minute a night guy. He can be maybe a twenty minute a night guy off the bench, and like that could be an effective role for him. But if he still thinks that he's a starting caliber forward in this league, like he's he's kidding himself. Yeah, and and to be honest, it's not like like starting him and playing mostly with the bench is okay. I mean, you can do that. Uh, you want to start four minutes? Yeah, fine. Um, I'm not completely fine with that, but still, it can be doable. Yeah. Uh, the issue to me is Melo is not okay with staying on the bench closing uh, when the game is closing right that is a huge part like if you cannot play Stephen Adams or Jeremy Grant just because you have to play Melo or even Patterson like mm-hmm. I I think that the one who sacrificed the most in this season is Patterson which is okay I mean he takes like he's not the best player uh, in, in in the roster so he can sacrifice but to me Tupac could have been more useful uh, the Mello this season. Oh, uh, without a doubt. Like, and we saw yeah. that in Golden State when yeah, Mello yeah. rolled his ankle. And Patterson, yeah. I think Patterson's big thing is that he's not really, he's not good when he's playing like five minutes a game or when he's playing no. like these short bursts. Like he needs to catch, no. he needs to catch a rhythm. And when he became the starting power forward for the Thunder, like we, we saw what this team could do. And that was even without Dre. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, Tupac is not good at defending bigs. We knew that. We Yeah, um, he's weirdly weak against bigs. It's like his lower body strength is not there. 
No, and be, like you can be that. Like you can have like he's not a good rebounder. He's a um, he's more of a wing that plays the the four mm-hmm. because he's not as quick as a wing. Um, because like he's the same uh, height of Paul George, maybe maybe less. Yeah. Um, so he's a big wider, but still. Um, the point is, two part plays perfectly in a switchy defense with a center like Steven Adams that can like can handle the big guy on the other side of the court. Mm-hmm. That is two-part perfect role, and which is the one that Sam Vision to give him uh, going to the season. And if you can get if you can get Melo uh, and you can get a good version of Melo, it's a trade that you do every day. Yeah. Um, it's just the way it pan out. Uh, it was not the way uh, we planned, uh, or we envision, or the Thunder envision, uh, which is more important that we that what we uh, envisioned for the season. Yeah, and Patterson had the second highest three point percentage at season's end at thirty eight, yeah. almost thirty nine percent. Yeah, you know, and he he needs time to get that shot off, which is can be a problem. But he's also an extremely good ball mover. And if you yeah. have him and Dre out there that are constantly moving the ball and swinging it when they get it, um, instead of holding on to it, because you you give it to Mello and it sticks, yeah. And he, and he can make it. Mello is a better passer than he gets credit for, but mm-hmm. the reason that he doesn't get credit for it is because he doesn't do it that often. Yeah, yeah. Um, Weirdly enough, the assist rate went uh, was uh, one other um, statistic that went crazy up up with him playing with the bench. Hmm. Um, so he was doing it all with the bench. So why, if you're good at something, very good at something, it's just because it's a, it's benching mellow, the big thing for your ego. Like, yeah. come on. Uh, like well, that's exactly what it is. That are, there are players that will be all of famers and play their entire career off the bench. Not mm-hmm. many, truthfully told, not many. But Ginobili made a career by torching upon bench. Yeah. Torching yeah. them. And you can do the same. Like, you had a great career, an awesome career as a scorer. Just take the easy way. Score on, like, on, a, on Dante Axum instead of Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. And make Utah pay because they guard you with a lesser defender. Like, you can be vital to a team. And what and like, what he doesn't get is that like he thinks that he is would take a huge hit like PR wise if he went to the bench. He's actually going to take a bigger hit doing what he's doing now. Like it's going to be much much worse for his career just holding on to the fact that no, I'm a starter, this is my role, I need to be this, you know, I can't be that. But if he was just like, yeah, I'm willing to do whatever I can to win, and if that means coming off the bench and playing 20 minutes a night, like that, yeah. Uh, that is something that I'm willing to do. Then like, I think the respect level for, for Anthony probably grows around the like, wow, like this is, he's already a hall of famer. Like he's going to be a hall of fame player because of the score that he was. But if he's willing to change and adapt his game and they run the second unit through him and you know, there'd be nice that he's hot and they close with him. And then there'll yeah. be nights where teams are targeting and switches him and they, they got to get him off the court. They got to put Jeremy or two pad in there. I mean, there, he could still be an effective player, but it's just not 35 minutes a night and it's not starting and it's not closing. I mean, it's just, that's not going to be 
where he's effective moving forward. And that's where I think like he, he'll play in the league for a few more years. I don't doubt that at all. Um, but he'll be effectively done if that's what he wants. Like he'll be it. Like he's right now, he's such a King right now. Like he, like he could go play for the Kings. Like you want to start, you want to play starting minutes and you want to close, you can go play with Zubo, you know? Oh yeah. Well, they will give you money for that. Oh, like they, they would pay. They would be so excited to pay Melo big money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he can go like in any uh, tanking team and do the same that he did in New York. Like yeah. you can do that, and, and that's if that and that's is what you point. want. Yeah, if that is what you want, then then go. Uh, but still, the the fact that Melo, like, if you take away the I'm not sacrificing no bench role and take everything else. Mm-hmm. that he said without the benching it makes sense it could make sense you could be effective playing the way you did because at 35 if your shot is not dead eye then being just a spot-up shooter is not what you need and i get that part i really get it mm-hmm. um and i get that he can contribute against benches so much by playing a solo style uh 20 minutes a night 22 minutes a night. Some night you close. Some, some night, uh, if they have like a crazy good ball handler and he is hot, then you are not closing. Mm-hmm. Who cares? I mean, you can be more effective than D Wade. Yeah. Like, you can be a better version of that if, if you want that. So I think that uh, also a part that uh, I want to, like, I just, I just don't want to trash all, like, all the way on metal. It is like not even 12 hours after a bruising uh, loss against mm-hmm. Utah. So who knows? Maybe he will uh, take a week off. Uh, someone in OKC, that, since he's still uh, their employee, uh, will talk to him and show him numbers, show him stuff, show him a way to put him back on track in terms of uh, in terms of going in his direction. Like if you want to be like old Melo, fine, but you have you, you cannot have. To, that both ways. We mm-hmm. are not sacrificing Russ. We are not sacrificing Stephen. We are not sacrificing Paul for you. But if you want to be to to have like a full metal role, then then you have it. But mm-hmm. with this specific unit, with this specific minutes. Otherwise, this is the way we uh, we move towards you. Uh, like uh, we we like we want to you to have a better season. This is the way we envision that. And if you don't agree, then we just. There's no way. There's no other way to me. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's what, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's what you have to do is that you have to say, we know you don't want to come off the bench and you don't necessarily have to, but here's what your role has to be. And we're going to have to confine it to this. And that will either, I think, I think it results in a good thing either way. Either you get a mellow that is able to accept where he is in his career and come back and play out his contract and play that 20, 25 minute a night role and actually help the team mm-hmm. or two Mello says, get me out of here. Like I'm not doing that. And I also think that's a good thing for the thunder because what that does is that you have two guys in waiting and Jeremy Grant and Patrick Patterson mm-hmm. that can easily fill his role and that will do a better yeah. job defensively that are lower usage that will play better alongside Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Um, I think you have, it's a win-win for the thunder. They just have to do it. Um, and you know, it's, I can't, 
I can't criticize the Thunder, but like with not knowing what they're doing behind closed doors, like we'll, we'll we'll see what goes down. But I I kind of expected Melo to be a good soldier on Saturday because I thought he's just going to want to collect that check, you know, and say yeah. you know what we'll come back and we'll be better, you know I'll be better I'll I'll do what I need to do to help this team win, you know, like I just. I just figured he would do that just because he's, he's wanting to collect that money. But you know, if things keep moving in the direction that they're moving and Mello has set this course is that they're moving toward a buyout is what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. I think that honestly, the best case scenario for the thunder is that they buy out Mello and Paul comes back and you don't really have to make that many changes to the roster. It'd be, it'd be very, very nice to add some shooting to the roster, obviously. Um, but like that is easily the best case scenario for the thunder. Uh, let's talk about Paul. We're quite a bit into the show. I didn't realize how long we've talked that this, the mellow stuff is just, I mean, it's fascinating and we're going to, I mean, we have, there's still a lot to unpack there. And so mm-hmm. we'll, we obviously, I mean, Thank you, Thunder, and thank you, Mello, for <laughs> giving us all this content. Um, Paul George was nothing but consistent about the way that he talked about the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I think one of the things that he said that I was like, huh, like that's kind of weird. Uh, he said, I think the biggest thing is trying to keep a relationship with Sam, continue to talk with Sam, continue to talk with Billy with Russ and figure out the direction we want to go as a group more often than anything. And then he said, I think that's option one. And then he like corrected himself and said, or that's the first thing I want to do before free agency or any of that before we get to that point. And I was just like, oh, Paul, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, <laughs> am I supposed to really think that that's really what's going to happen? And I don't know, like there's a lot of time, like we have two months before he actually makes that decision. And that's a lot of time. And I think one, it's really good that LeBron James and the Cavs won yesterday because my fear would be that they would, they're, they would get together over these next two months and really try to figure out where they, where they can land together. And I think the less time that LeBron has off is better for the thunder and better for uh, Paul George's chances of staying here. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, if you just, if all you do is you take everything that Paul has said this season and then you're, you line it all up and you say, what do you think he's going to do? Like, it's hard to say that you would say anything, but he's coming back to Oklahoma city. Yeah. Um, or uh, if you go back uh, to when you were uh, 14, 15, and you maybe may had like a girlfriend and you go like in vacation on like to the sea, basically. <laughs> and then you see to yourself, oh, the most important thing I have to do is keep talking with my girlfriend at home because if I don't do that, I will start looking into other girls when I'm here. Sorry for the comparison, but it, I think it was fitting. No, yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's, there's part of that uh, to me, uh, which is if I if I keep the, the conversation on, then I will not be distracted by other stuff, uh, and and it shows at least willingness to hear what Sam, what Russ, and what Billy 
have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, not metal, apparently. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think that's significant that he did not mention him. Exactly. He, yeah, when he had all season, that's the one, that's the one inconsistency. And in, yeah, in Paul is that he continuously talked about he and Russ and Mello, and that did not take place on Saturday, which I thought was interesting and it and intentional. Yeah, uh, it sound it sound very very intentional, and I think that maybe Melo had just a very bad night, and um, also with the team, we don't know. Um, yeah. but I think that that Paul George realizes how special of a duo he and Russ are without Carmelo Anthony. Like I have the number, the um, impact factor here. Uh, the, sorry, the impact um, tool here. Um, for, uh, from NBA.com, uh, like if you have Russ, PG, Adams on the floor and Melo off, you're talking about a plus 14.4 mm-hmm. net rating uh, mm-hmm. unit in 200 uh, minutes. The point is, these three players without Melo played just 200 minutes in the regular season, which is a small portion of what they, it should be. Like these three players should spend the most time with shooters and with another great defender. Um, like if you have a unit with Abrinas and Patterson or Abrinas and Grant or Robertson and Grant uh, or whatever, this will be a crazy good unit because they have defense, they have scoring, they have everything they need. And I think Paul realizes that. They realize, he realized that Utah... I mean, if if you can, uh, if you from the TV can see how Utah targeted specifically Melo, like all series long, it's it's easy for a player uh, as savvy as Paul George to realize that and to say, well, what the hell? If I am with Russ and instead of <laughs> of, of Melo, I have Grant who can actually switch or or can or can hold against Donovan Mitchell. This thing can be great. Yeah, like he knows that. Of course, say that LeBron stays in Cleveland, as Royce um, suggested in the last Dream Team, uh, which was great, by the way. Um, say that Paul wants to go to Cleveland is not the worst thing for OKC. Because, right. I mean, if he wants to go with LeBron and LeBron wants to stay in Cleveland, then they have to work a trade before July 1st. Right. And so, I mean, I... I am positive on Paul George uh, to some extent. On the other hand, again, if Philly calls me, I, I'm probably already packed and I, and I want to go there because I think that there is the perfect fit for Paul George, who doesn't want to be an alpha, who wants to be uh, the dynamic player that can destroy everything on defense with other good defenders and score like hell on screens. And you have the perfect blueprint in Philadelphia. Yeah. But does he want to go in a team of youngster with basically no one of his age? These things actually matters. It uh, does. And so, who, who knows? Um, let's put it this way. Uh, you can have worse exit interviews than the one that Paul George had. If you <laughs> Like, like yeah. KD, KD two years ago was, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Like, he wasn't... Con- he wasn't going to say anything good about OKC. I just wanted to take off, to take two weeks off, then talk with my people, and we will decide. 
Paul was really proactive on what he said. Like he wanted to be part of the discussion with OKC. Yeah. He wants to know the plan. And I think OKC has a chance. If the plan is good enough, then why not? Yeah. It, he he said that they check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Like what? Mm-hmm. I just don't. Like he's either setting himself up for the one of the stranger exits from this team, and you know I wouldn't blame him. That's a, that's the thing with him and Durant. Like Durant, like he went to the team that beat them. You know, Paul mm-hmm. George is in all likelihood not going to Utah, and if he did, like I don't think anybody would blame him. He hadn't been here that long. It didn't go mm-hmm. well. It did not go like we thought it would. And you know what? Like I think everybody would be like, you know what? Like they gave it a try. We could we saw that it didn't work. And you know, like good luck, Paul George. I don't think Paul George mm-hmm. will be hated. Like there's no. I mean, if anybody burns a jersey, it's just because they want to be on Sports Center. You know? Exactly. Like no exactly. like I don't think anybody ha- would have hatred for him. In fact, like I I would help purchase the ticket to Philadelphia. Because like I just think that that is just the perfect scenario for him. Whoa, whoa, Andrew! It, very, very not homery. <laughs> it's it's such a good fit, and I you know I yeah. want him to be obviously like everything about it is good for me if he stays here. Like it's very good for for me. Like even personally, it's good for me if he stays here. I want that, but I would understand it if he left. Yeah, Durant. Like yeah. I just didn't. Like I I understand it on the level of he it's a he won't lose if he goes to golden state. And I think like we, there's been a lot of buildup about, you know, what's going to happen in the playoffs. Uh, guys, I can tell you what's going to happen in the playoffs. Golden state's going to win the, win the title. That's what's going to happen. This, this season. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I need, I need to see Curry first. Yeah. I tend to agree, but I need to see Curry first. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to win the title. Um, yeah. like that's <laughs> that, shutting me down. <laughs> I just, but, and, and you know what? You're right. Like that exit interview that he had, he was kind of weird. He was kind of weird that day. Um, but also like that team was extremely successful. They went to this game seven in the Western conference finals, you know, and he had like every opportunity to say good things about OKC and the kind of run that they made. And, and in fact, an unexpected run that they made. Like they were not expected to go to the West Finals and have like a legit chance to go to the NBA Finals. Like that was not what this team, what everybody thought this team would do. Um, and Paul, like this team, like it was probably close to fifty fifty who picked, you know, the Jazz and the Thunder, and you know, like they they had the higher ceiling than Utah, but they didn't have the cohesion and all. I mean, all those things on there, and you could like Paul could have easily had the same you know, exit interview that KD did. You know what? Like, I'm not going to talk about it right now. We'll figure it out this summer. Instead, he's like, yeah, Oklahoma City checks all the boxes for me. We're talking medical staff, uh, you know, front office, PR, the fans, the players, all of it. Like, it, it checks all the boxes for me. And I really need to keep in communication with these guys. You know, Kevin Durant didn't say that. He said, I need to talk to my people. Yeah. You know, and he That's had the most glaring difference to me, right? Like that he wants to hear what Billy Russ and and Sam has to say, right? Has to say. And you know what? Like I don't know what the deal would be, and I never really know what the deal would be. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Thunder make some kind of trade in between now and then because they're going to have conversations, mm-hmm. and it's going to be, 
you know, like we need this or we need that. And I love this guy, but listen, like he, he's not helping us move in the direction that we need to go. And, you know, I, I don't know what any of that could or would be, but I just wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Sam made that, the Oladipo trade before, you know, Kevin Durant's decision on the, on draft day and in Mm -hmm. hope, in hopes that it would help lure him back. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a move like that from Sam either. And they have less chips to play. And I I get all of that. I understand all of that. Like limitations have never really confined Sam Presti though. Like no one thought that the Thunder would have this roster today at the end of last season. Like like, nobody thought that would even be possible. And he did all of that without surrendering a first round pick, which, you know, people are, are kind of dogging on Sam Presti at this point, but like, Imagine they had traded Terrence Ferguson and a first round pick. Then they really would have nothing. Like then they yeah. would really, really have nothing. But they didn't yeah. surrender those things, which I thought was a really, really good thing. Um, but yeah, and who knows? Maybe, maybe Mick, uh, Mitch uh, Kapchuk really likes Melo, <laughs> and he has a fairly a fair amount of bad contracts. Uh, it's just an example. But uh, yeah, like Nick Batum contract is. Terrible. Oh, it's out terrible. of this world terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but maybe Nick Batum in a, in a, like as a, like three, four in OKC with Paul George and Robertson can work like a charm. Who knows? Like these yeah. kind of trades uh, where you give up uh, a toxic, toxic salary in Carmelo Anthony for just one season. Maybe a team can give you back bad money on a player that is not Luol Deng, uh, which is like uh, not not basketball anymore. Yeah. Um, but still, like a player like Batum that has a terrible contract, three years, twenty-two millions. Uh, it will, pro- but it saves you money this season, for example. Mm-hmm. And the problem if, is the no trade. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know, I know, but, but like. If Melo wants to be a starter in the league uh, and wants to, to collect the money, like this is the best way. I mean, would you, yeah. do you expect to be to be uh, taken by a team like Houston? Maybe. Do you expect to start? Are you delusional? Like, no way, no way. You you can start in a in a very very good team. Yeah. But if you want to go a, a bit lower, like not like Charlotte would not be trash next season. Uh, probably not good, but not trash. Yeah. You want to have a, a second chance just one year just to see. I mean, it's one season. I mean, who cares about the trade or no trade for one season? Uh, you may not want to spend your entire career in Charlotte, but you are free agent uh, the year afterwards. And maybe a team like Charlotte, who is changing everything, Maybe they can give you a role because no one can score when Kemba sits. Mm-hmm. And you can very well start. You have a very uh, throwback unit uh, with uh, Dwight Howard. Uh, you finally play with another with, a, with a, this big man. Probably they, they dream to play together or at least there were rumors uh, a few years ago. And fine. I mean, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And so there, I mean, I don't, I don't, I just, I was just scrolling uh, big contracts uh, and, uh, and Nick Batum's one uh, popped to my, to my screen, but there are situations like this well, that OKC okay, so can exploit. I feel like Cleveland, if, if LeBron stays, Cleveland is like, I mean, they could easily do a deal with Cleveland. 
Because yeah, but I ha- I hate Tristan Thompson contract I, <laughs> more than Batum's. Yeah, I don't know. I, I yes, 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 yes. I I get I get what you're saying, but he's he's not as much money, and he's yeah, got you're right. two years after this one, and he kind of fits with the Thunder we're yeah. we're wanting to do, and that's like offensive rebound like crazy, play mm-hmm. bigger, be stronger. If like he's your backup to like he's. Like Tristan Thompson has had a weird season, but overall he's like an overqualified backup center. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And, and there's even George Hill. It hasn't like monstrous I love George Hill and I've loved him his whole career, but now like that scares the crap. The 20 million, like I know it's only yeah. like 3.6 more than Tristan Thompson, but that scares the crap out of me. Yeah. It's, it's half guaranteed though. Uh, in the last year, so it's oh, just it is. next season. Okay. Yeah, it's just next season. Okay. So then, then it's uh, it's very. I don't I don't remember the exact figure. I can look it up when while mm-hmm. we talk. Uh, but I I'm I'm sure that it's not fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Well, then that wouldn't be so bad. Mm-hmm. But there. But I'm just saying, like, there's ways to get him, and he would agree if like LeBron stays. And honestly, that's probably the best scenario for Melo because I think if anyone can tell Melo, dude, you got to go to the bench, it's LeBron James. Yeah. You know, I think that could be the best thing for his career, the best move for a, a decent move for both teams where the Thunder can get back a guy that can, one, defend and to, you know, be just a role player that's not going to demand things. You know, George Hill or Tristan Thompson, like those dudes will come off the bench. Um, yeah. So like there are there, it seems very 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 unlikely that they'll be able to trade him. But there are some scenarios where you could. Mm -hmm. I I apparently I am apparently wrong on George Hill. It's fully guaranteed. That is terrible. Like it's it's going down. uh, That's so. That's the Kings, man. That's the Kings. But I remember something like that. I I don't know why. Uh, Well, I'll look it up and we'll see. Yeah, that's all. That's all Sacramento Kings, man. <laughs> well, that's that's a ter- well. Again, uh, Sacramento Kings has nice contracts, <laughs> like <laughs> big contracts that uh, that you can trade for if you if you really care. Um, like I, I am not sold on Melo being a disaster uh, contract next season. Uh, you can you can do stuff with big contracts that are just. Um, for one season. Yeah. Like if it, if it were like two seasons, then whoa, no, 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 no. Yeah. You want to stay away, but, uh, but one season it's, it, it wouldn't be such a disaster if he didn't have the no trade. That's, yeah, that's but, where it's like, he, he holds the cards and that's where that's to me. It's like, ugh, okay. Like that it is, it's scary to me because of that. If he, if he didn't have the no trade clause, then yeah, like people will want, would want to have just the cap relief going into next summer. And if the thunder could grab a couple guys that maybe have one year extended on their deal after that, uh, then you're talking about like, you can make a deal doing that. And you know, teams would want that. Like there's no cap space out there right now. And teams want, there are teams out there that would prefer to have cap space than to have the players they have like Charlotte, like you said, like I think mm-hmm. that, you know, and I like Nick Batum a lot. And if Nick Batum was just a dude that was your fourth best player, then you're talking about a really good team. Uh, but when he's asked to be your second best player, uh, he, he just hasn't been able to be that. 
Uh, he's not mm-hmm. that kind of guy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, and I, and I don't know about his injury history and stuff like that. I have to dig a little deeper and I just suspect that it's kind of a, not would, good, not be good. a scary, like, a scary contract overall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there'll be some options. Uh, let's talk. Uh, oh man, we've gone, we've gone longer than I thought. Um, yeah. So let's, let's give our predictions today and we can do this over the course of the next two months. Uh, cause things will change and things will leak out and it will, it will evolve, but we can adjust our percentages, uh, as we get more information because that's what you should do. And I never, there was, there's some like old school NBA guys that say, I never change my predictions. You know, I stick with what I said Smart. at the, at Smart. the beginning of the season. And it's like, well, like why? Like <laughs> you should, you should probably change you know, your opinions and what you think as the season goes along, like that's really silly. Uh, so we will change our predictions as time passes, but today, uh, what percentage chance would you give it that Paul George comes back? I'll go with the, unknown, like with the boring 60, 40. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. Um, I think uh, as Fred says, I think that, OKC is the team that has the, the like its most favorite to to retain Paul George to to get Paul George. Yeah. Um, so to me, forty percent he stays in OKC, um, and then the rest is the field. And there's no team who has the lead on 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 the pack to me. So like right now. forty Thunder, twenty. Sixers, 20 Lakers, and then 20, who knows? Yeah, the Cavs. Um, I'm not even willing to go that high for the Lakers, to be honest. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, But remember that this is not going to be, not necessarily, a long-time decision for Paul George. Like He can say, well, yes, I I think that I saw something and I want to try another year. Mm-hmm. And maybe in 2019, the Lakers have the book clear. They don't have to sacrifice any asset. They can even uh, give um, Julius Randle a nice contract that can be tradable. Uh, and they and maybe he will be part of the of the of the of my team if yeah. I give them another year. So don't be sold on this being a decision uh, for Paul George that will shape his career. No, it, it will shape the next season probably. Most likely. Do you uh, and so do you think the Lakers can be that patient? Would be my question. Like say I like Boogie so. like Boogie I, 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 like Boogie comes mm, knocking. Mm, no, no. This this I I trust for some reason, uh I trust this front office way more than yeah. the previous one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree with that. I just it'll be it's it this is going like last summer was very fascinating. Even the summer before that was like this summer may trump all of that. Like it's going to be an extremely crazy summer and there's, and a lot of it is like the restraints on the cap too. Yeah. Like, yeah but you, you said boogie, for example, Yeah, let's take boogie. Boogie says, well, uh, who's willing to give me the max? The Lakers will raise their hands immediately and say, mm-hmm. yes, for one season. Then yeah. this is what we are willing to do. I think that uh, the Lakers, as they did with uh, KCP, they can be very, very aggressive up front, like, like Philly was with, with JJ. Mm-hmm. You can get veterans and give them how much money they, they, they need for one season. 
and if you show if if you show to be healed uh to be better to be in shape if you don't cause trouble to the locker room then maybe you will be the sidekick of paul george next year maybe Mm -hmm. so i i think the lakers have a very good chance to improve their rosters the roster significantly next season and even to get a star for one season and then just let's see there's no need next season to to give out long contracts because no one will yeah unless you're i mean whoever gets lebron will try to give him the longest deal possible same with paul oh, of, of course oh, but but if but if like if lebron comes to you then then it, like whatever you want man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly you want 40 millions i'll try to give you like five under the desk like something like that mm-hmm. uh but um if if it's not a top five player if if if, if it's not a top 10 player then I don't think the Lakers will will destroy this plan for that kind of player. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be so fascinating. And the Thunder are kind of at the center of all of it with the Paul George decision, with now what what seemed to be like they had no choice in in yeah. Carmelo Anthony. Um that's changed now. Melodrama now. We got the melodrama in OKC. What okay, so percent chance that mellow is in a thunder uniform in october 13 Woo! well that's that is the most mckelly barra number ever <laughs> wow um yeah i'm gonna if you don't like 23 that's yeah the highest i i i'm willing to go i'll, I'll say 21 <laughs> okay well it's not the prime number so it doesn't count <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i think it's pretty low unless yeah. unless he changes his tune which i i don't think he will and i and fred has made this point a lot of people have made this point that you know it looked as if the thunder were destroying their season by playing mellow they may have destroyed their season more if they didn't because oh, i yeah. i think that we're seeing right now what would have happened and and that's where you know maybe and and the you, it was always going to be a risk to trade for him. It always mm-hmm. was going to be. Um, but that's where maybe the blame doesn't go to Billy. Maybe that's where it goes to Sam and just doing the deal at all. Uh, come on, Andrew. If we ha- if we had a bet, like a serious bet, on mellow percentage on open looks, like four to from four to six feet, yeah, distance. Would you like he's shooting thirty percent on those looks? Right, but it's, I'm it's just saying. Abysmal. I'm saying like, it in hindsight. In hindsight, yeah, but but the the point the point is that that percentage is the thing that ruined the Melo experiment. Sure, like like everyone was prepared on 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 the defensive side, mm-hmm. and with Robertson, with Robertson, with Andre, you can put a patch on that. Yes, but the shooting, like the open shooting. Like he's taking two, three uh, attempts from from that uh, in that specific context, thirty percent. That is that is not okay for a great scorer like Melo. Mm-hmm. So it's that is really inexplicable. Like there's no reason why he should shoot that kind of percentage. Yeah, from that. Uh, yeah, when he's no, guarded. You're right. You're right. I think probably. Uh, 90 times out of 100, they make the mellow trade, given the opportunity. 
and yeah. and they probably sh- and they should it was it was worth the risk but it went as poorly as it could have gone yeah i mean the downside was he can't play defense can't play him in the playoffs and he's also not able to hit shots and that's what yeah. and that's what ended up happening and that's it was the worst case scenario with carmelo i mean it just it just was um but yeah, I, I think the chances are pretty low of him coming back and playing for the Thunder next year. And I don't know if it'll be a buyout or if it's going to be a trade, which seems like I, I think if if you were to put this line up those scenarios, I think it's like 80 percent chance it's a buyout if he leaves and then, you know, 20 percent chance it's a trade, maybe even 90, 10. You know, it's yeah. like they're they're going to buy him out probably. And it's going to, they're, they're not going to save a ton of money buying him out. I'll tell you that, you know, this is what we're talking about. A guy that's sacrificed damn near everything. And at least yeah. so he thinks, and that's what he said. Yeah. And you know what he didn't. And Fred, if you haven't listened to the OKC dream team, you don't subscribe to it. You get to hear Fred Royce, John Hamm, myself, just spout a ton of opinions about this and you get to hear some, some really good stuff from Fred and from Royce and from ham. So like you should go listen to that. And I've said a lot of the things that I, a lot of my points um, from yesterday here, but you, you should go subscribe if you haven't already. Um, Cause it's, it is good stuff. So you should listen to that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it seems pretty unlikely that Mello will, will be back in OKC. It's, it feels like he yesterday, what he did on Saturday was that he uh, is setting the table for for him to leave he was he did similar things in new york and it just feels it feels a lot like that and i don't know yeah. and and sacrifice is going to be the scapegoat here like that's going to be the reason that he leaves and the reason that he says that he can't be here anymore and yeah. you know what i think it's while taking me. while taking a gazillion of uh, ill-advised and most mellow shots possible in the playoffs but yes he's sacrificing right. he's sacrificing <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly. And he's clearly sacrificing his body by putting himself on a defensive stance every yeah. possession. And oh boy, I'm crushing too much of Mel. But anyway. <laughs> he's been he was he was horrible. I mean he just he just was. He was the worst case scenario mellow. He was weighted vest, he was thirty five pound, weighted vest mellow. That's what he was. And it's a it's not a good look. It's not a good look on anybody. So uh McKellar, we have gone long and we will have more to break down next week we'll we can talk more playoffs and we can look at some draft prospects too which is um something that people kept pointing out during the playoffs was like that we love donovan mitchell and we did and neither of us thought that he would be this Um, no no i i even said uh i like donovan mitchell at 18 19 at 10 i don't know well good job ikela very good job (laughs) I know we we did like him, but yeah, we did not. We, in fact, like we're similar to the Pistons and to the Hornets. Like we would have probably taken Luke Kennard and uh, Malik Monk over him. You know, like that was maybe and that, not Kennard, but Monk. I'm fairly convinced that uh, I would have. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will maybe maybe yeah until Ikina for sure. Let's put it this way. Yeah, for sure. We yeah we we loved him too. The the fact is that that draft we're going to look back at it and say like that may wow. have been one of the best yeah. drafts ever. Exactly. I mean, this is wait like for Markel wait for the right. Fox to be, you know, on a very um, normal team uh, if possible. And, and you get, yeah, you get something. 
yeah, you go back and I think was it the 96 draft or the 97 draft was like the Kobe Nash, like all those, like you look back at that draft, like, wow, like it could be similar to that. Um, or even to 2003. Yeah. Similar to Oh three LeBron Wade, Mello, Bosch, you know, David West. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was maybe not, maybe not, but close. It's, it's going to be close. Cause there's going to be some guys that work out later on. Um, mm-hmm in that draft there's tons of great second round picks and you have ferguson you have um Ojale back there i there's just this draft is just stupid and it was a really fun one to cover so we'll we'll cover some of that stuff too moving forward and we can answer questions from you guys but we appreciate you guys listening if you've listened all the way here to the end uh we're going to continue giving you content because it's going to be there and uh we'll continue with you guys through the summertime uh, so, uh, make sure that you're subscribed and listening and tell your friends about our show as well. If you have time, that's how this thing kind of keeps going. Uh, leave us a five-star iTunes review. Uh, if you got the time in, that's just, those are the things that help us out. It's a free way that you can take, you know, 10 seconds out of your day to help us out. Um, so if you listen to the hour and 15 minutes or whatever this is in a being like, that's, it's a free way that you can give back to us is to leave us a five-star review. So please do that. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again Wednesday with Alex Spears. We hope you guys have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you then. Uh, George the contract was uh, actually not guaranteed in the 30 year, just one million. Oh, so it's not bad. That's interesting. So 20 this season, 19 next one and one, just one, uh, the third. So it's, it's actually a, tra- a contract, that, a trade that I would do immediately.